Yeah. Before you but, continue, I, there's yeah. something very critical we need to establish. We need to know what your favorite ice cream flavor is, because this could end the interview now if it's not <laughs> in alignment with Bob and I. We are ice cream fans, so let's just get it yeah, out. I actually named my first car after the ice cream, which was Butter Crunch. Butter Crunch. Okay. Nice. And it was it was a cream-colored car with a brown interior, <laughs> and it matched my favorite ice cream. So I remember that for sure. All right. Welcome to the Innovative Founder. The show where entrepreneurs get real. real. These are the raw, the gut-wrenching, often hilarious, sometimes shocking, and definitely entertaining stories of innovative business founders who are making their beautiful dent in the world. No BS, no posturing, and no narcissists allowed. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the unscripted adventures on today's episode. Now, here's your hairless hosts, Bob Rignaris and Brandon Boyd. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Innovative Founder. Hey, you Bob got the name Rignaris. right. I did this time. <laughs> I did. Isn't that amazing? What's hey. going on, Bob? What's happening? I hear you've been golfing this last 4th of July. Yeah, we, we golf a lot and people are probably pretty bored of me talking about golfing. So we we, we, we were able to take uh, my oldest daughter out, her boyfriend. It was his first time golfing. So we had a chance to teach him the game a little bit and, you know, had the typical experience where he what, made a bunch of bad shots and then all of a sudden hit a great one and then realized, oh, my goodness, I could actually like this game. And then by the end is like, OK, I could see how this game is addicting. So uh. um, we got another convert on the way good good. eventually i'm going to get you on the golf course you know i I have clubs oh you do i do and i've i've used them once they're brand new and i went to the driving range one time years ago and yeah i don't know if this ever happens to you but i i was just hitting them solid one after the other and the guy had been next to me has been golfing 20 years he's like how are you doing that like i don't know and then of course it went away i had no idea what but uh you know you start overthinking and 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 i it fell apart after that so i would like to go i think that'd be lovely as long as there's like a drink cart nearby you know there is there is always uh well i'll say i mean it's usually a woman it's a drink girl or drink woman i have never gone across a drink man so I'm not being sexist. It's literally always a female that is right. serving drinks. So yes, that is available to you. And you can be slightly inebriated and still have a good time. Good, good. That's that's perfect. I like now, you had a chance to travel out to uh, the left coast, spend a little time in Burbank. I know you're dealing with some family stuff, but yeah. uh, any, any good stuff happen out there? That was fun. So went to Burbank, visit my aunt. And she's doing great. She lives in this cute little house there. So we got to spend some time with her. And she's 94, I think, was her birthday. Wow. That's, yeah. So we, we had some good time with her. And I have a tradition whenever I go see her is I go and buy her an In-N-Out burger and milkshake. And we share that together. So that was Well, fun. now we have a topic. So I don't mean yeah. to go off here, but like In-N-Out burger versus like Five Guys. like. Right. Right. You know, Five Guys, I think, is well enough known as a chain. Like, you know, let's get rid of Wendy's, McDonald's, Burger King. Those aren't burgers, right? Yeah. Yeah. So people from the West Coast really swear by In-N-Out. Yeah. I have had In-N-Out and I think it's OK. I'm more of a Five Guys person. I don't know, yeah. Brandon, where are you at? Yeah. You know, In-N-Out is just a cult is what it is. It's just there's something about it. We have a couple of them here in Colorado now and it's a line around yeah. the block and it's all the time. 
I don't know. They 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 figured out the perfect combination of taste, pricing, delivery. Like if you eat In-N-Out fries an hour later, they're horrible. They're the worst ever. You got to <laughs> eat them as soon as they come out. But I don't know what it is. I think this it's they have figured it out. They have dialed this in so tightly and got it so addictive. It's kind of like Portillo's in Chicago. Portillo's has figured well, it out too. They figured out the hot dogs. Yes. Absolutely. I I think In-N-Out is really driven by this narrative that the people that go there all the time believe. And then so if you ever go to an In-N-Out burger, especially the first time, part of the experience is the person taking you there really builds it up. Yes. Like it's the holy grail. Yeah. And then you kind of go there. You're like, it's a burger and fries. Like (laughs) it doesn't match up to the hype. At least it did for me. Now, again, I've tasted a lot of burgers over the years. Yeah. The best burger of course, is Redamax up in New Buffalo, Michigan. But Ooh. that's that's a different story. Okay. Um, but I think part of it is just like they figured out the whole word of mouth thing. Yeah. And and they've got people actually out there selling for them, you mm-hmm. know, and selling so happens to be the topic of today's show. We have a, a new friend. Her name's Bryn Tillman. She is a expert on social selling and LinkedIn. And Brandon, why don't you go ahead and read her bio? All right. Yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal interview today. Bryn is the LinkedIn whisperer and CEO of Social Sales Link. For over a decade, she's been teaching entrepreneurs, sales teams, and business leaders how to leverage LinkedIn for social selling. As a former sales trainer and personal producer, Bryn adopted all of the traditional sales techniques and adapted them to the new digital world. She guides professionals to establish a thought leader and subject matter expert brand, find and engage the right targeted market, and leverage clients and networking partners for warm introductions into qualified buyers. Um, What I really appreciated about our interview today with Bryn is that how conversational, easy, seamless she has leveraged LinkedIn for herself and her clients. From we mentioned earlier in the show that you know Bob and I came from a direct response marketing and internet marketing world where it's kind of can be kind of smarmy, and and use some outdated techniques. And audiences have just gotten more sophisticated and they've got more relationship oriented, perhaps than ever before. And we always know that sales has always been relationship based, but she has certainly found a way to use this tool to uh, to amplify that. Yeah, and I and you know I think you'll be particularly entertained by the story of how she discovered how much fun selling was. Uh, she learned that as a 14 year old. So you're going to hear about her first job. You hear about her overcoming uh, uh, diagnosed with dyslexia. I think that was an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. she really digs in and gives us some really good things about how to be successful on LinkedIn. And it is not tactical in any way. It's very fundamental. If you know us well, you know, we 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 really don't like tactics, but we really love fundamentals. So she really digs into those things. Uh, I think you are going to absolutely enjoy this show. And we can't wait for you to now hear our new friend, Miss Ms. Bryn Tillman. All right. We are so happy to welcome a new friend into the show, Bryn Tillman from the New York metro area on the New Jersey side. Bryn, welcome to Innovative Founder. Welcome. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. It's great. And you you mentioned, well, maybe you didn't mention, but we found out. We have, like I said, we have, we ways, have ways to find things out. But Stalking. you've got you've got twin boys. Oh, yes, I do. 19-year-old boy twins. And I have a daughter who has who gave me a grandbaby and one on the way. Congratulations. That is that is fantastic. So how is raising twins helped you in your career or has it hindered you? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I love that. Well, you know, just by nature, you have to multitask. So yeah, you know, being a parent in general, absolutely helps in customer service and persuasion yeah. and in sales, right? So yeah. if, if you could be a good parent, you could be a good salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so how, how have your twins created havoc? Like, did, have they done things where they've like oh. gone to different classrooms or tried to fool you? Like what, what's, what's the best yeah. thing they pulled as twins? So I, I wish I had stories of havoc, but I do have some interesting stories. Like when they were about six, one of them started to tell me about a dream that he had last night and said, and then a blue car. And then the other one said, no, 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 it was a red car. And he's like, oh, you're right. You're right. So it was like they had the same. So we've had moments like kind of moments like that. They are identical twins. So they're also best friends. They also go to the same college and they're roommates, they're roommates next year. So as much as I tried, you know, even from kindergarten, I separated them in different classrooms. They keep kind of finding each other, but it's lovely to live with your best friend and they're fabulous children, really very easy to raise and in a lot of ways, having their own playmate all the time. Imagine having your best yeah. friend living with you. Yeah. Well, I've heard that identical twins, they're essentially from a DNA level, the same person. It's like it, a clone. It, is that, would, you, would you say that's true in a lot of ways? I mean, are they dressed so, alike? Or do they try to fool you? No, I'm not Joe. I'm yeah. Jim. I mean, t- well, t- they t- can't fool me. There's no way. <laughs> I, and it's there's funny. like a mole or something or hair different. I don't know. Well, so their hair is reversed part actually, okay. but, but, the, but I'm dyslexic. So that wouldn't help me <laughs> in identifying which was Damn it. Uh, yeah. But I, I mean, to me, they look like siblings, but not alike. But when, when they look at pictures of themselves, they're not sure. So it's interesting. So genetically, they are clones. So I can say I've cloned a human being, but they, they have different souls. And, and they're both wonderful and good and have very high levels of integrity and they're kind, but they are very different human beings. But they do like, like the same games and they have the same friends and they are good at the same sports. And so there's a lot in common, but, you know, politically they're aligned. So it's, it's wow. an interest. Yeah. It's interesting on a lot of levels, but they they clearly have com- souls. And I think that's the real mystery, right? Because they have completely, there's no cloning a soul, maybe a cell, but not yeah, a soul. Right. Gotcha. Well, well, we could get really deep really quickly. On I that know one. we went there, we went down a rabbit hole. We went and we went into it. I like it. Well, it's interesting, Bryn, you, you mentioned something casually, if you want to talk about it, you're, you said you're dyslexic. So how has that yeah. provided opportunities or challenges for you as you started your career? Yeah. So this, being dyslexic, I was a late reader, early talker. That hasn't changed. Late reader. I knew I wasn't dumb, but in school, I did not feel smart. And I was in the resource room and, you know, and, and but I think in some ways it really helped me because the training that I got early on, and and really, I really wasn't diagnosed till third grade. And I was also one of the very earliest people die. I'm old, right? So I was one of the very earliest people. I was in a study through children's hospital and was diagnosed with dyslexia, you know, in, in third grade for me, couple things that I got from it. Number one, you can overcome most everything, but overcoming, it doesn't mean you have to come the norm. 
It just means you have to figure out your way to get to your result. So that's the one, the one thing. The other thing I think is it gave me incredible patience around other people's learning curve. Mm. So as I'm a teacher of LinkedIn and sales and social selling, there are some people that are fabulous at the computer, but really don't understand the psychology of sales. There are mm. some people that are great at relationship building, but you know, doesn't they don't know what a URL is, right? So <laughs> Right. So we've got like all of these different personalities coming to the table with different levels of expertise, different levels of learning ability. And I think because I experienced being a different learner early on, I have great patience for other learning styles, which has helped me in my career. Love that. Love that. So would you say, was there a point in your evolution because, you know, I've got lots of opinions about, you know, our school system and, and not, nothing against teachers. They're, they're, they're the most underappreciated, underpaid people on the planet and have mm -hmm. such a precious role to play. But was there a moment where you realized that it, it became an asset? Like you mentioned, it, it gave you tremendous patience. What other what other when did it, when did you maybe stop feeling like, man, I'm, I'm dumb here. I'm having a hard time struggling in this system and realize, wait a minute. No, I just think differently and mm -hmm. it's become an asset for me. What, what, when did that kind of, was there, is there a story around that, that, that really proved itself? Like, wow, I don't need to shame myself around this anymore. This, this yeah. is, this is a powerful ability perhaps. Yeah. So when I was 14, I took a job at Friendly's ice cream restaurant, Friendly's restaurants. Right. And I quickly understood customer service I had wonderful leadership, which sounds so odd, but remember we're talking about the eighties and it was yeah. a different time, right? But <laughs> right. There, right. There hair a... bands, hair bands. And yeah. before you but, continue, I, there's yeah. something very critical we need to establish. We need to know what your favorite ice cream flavor is because this could end the interview now, if it's not <laughs> in alignment with Bob and I, we are ice cream fans. So let's just get it out. Yeah, I actually named my first car after the ice cream, which was butter crunch. Butter crunch. Okay. Nice. And it was, it was a cream colored car with a brown interior <laughs> and it matched my favorite ice cream. So I remember that for sure. All right. We can continue. Um, Thank you, Brent. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So, All so, right. you know, as a, as a server, I had a couple of responsibilities, right? There was the responsibility of making sure that that customer felt welcomed, that that customer felt heard, right? Like this is really important when you're taking someone's order, you know, because I like it medium rare doesn't mean they like it medium rare, right? Like I've got to <laughs> hear what it is that that customer wants. I have to go above and beyond for, you know, if they have a special order. And from a sales perspective, I recognized if I could upsell them with appetizers and ice cream, mm -hmm. I'd get a bigger tip. But I had to do it in a way that felt serving, not selling, right? So a lot of that became conversation. So, you know, have you ever had our this instead of you should get it, right? There's a difference in how you would speak. And, you know, I know you're ordering a, a burger. Is that, do you want the small one or the medium one? Because I want to make sure you've got room for dessert, right? You're planting <laughs> those seeds. Nice. So, you know, generally serving really set me up. I also, they had you know, at the end of the day, they'd add up who had the, the really who sold the most. They had little mini contests internally and every single shift I won. And I always had the most tips, right? And so at 14, 15, 16, when I was 
struggling to do well in school, I was like totally blowing it away in the restaurant. So I went to college for hotel restaurant hospitality management, Johnson and Wales in Rhode Island. Okay. And I was fabulous. I did very, very well because it was a blue collar school where you worked your way up. But what I recognized at the end was it wasn't the restaurant business that I loved. It was the sales. Mm. Ah, lovely. That's a great epiphany. Yeah. So in our business, Bryn, one of the big things we we try to help people do is is there's a lot of people that just have resistance towards selling, and mm. and what what joy do you get to help us help us for some of us that have that roadblock or head trash is like oh I don't want to be salesy and I don't want to push people and I don't want to don't want to don't want to what what energized you about selling was it were you, are you money motivated or was that partially was it fulfilling a need was it all the above tell us about that. Yeah. So, you know, there are a lot of moving parts to what motivates me and don't tell anyone this, but it's not as much money as you might think, (laughs) but that's, that's our secret because really what motivates me is when a client comes back to me and says they made money because of something they learned from me, I get a high from that. Like that, that, like I literally get an adrenaline rush when I'm on a, you know, we have group coaching calls a couple of times a week and someone says, I put out that poll. I invited those three people to vote. Two of them voted and they both became conversations when I used the templates we worked on. And I'm like, this is awesome. When I have a client come back to me and say, because of what, because of the introduction that I got because of your advice, I just closed the biggest sale of my 22 year career. Like that's what drives me. So why sales? So the problem, I think that the reputation of sales is that I'm doing something to someone Hmm. that, right. Like that, that's why I, I don't want to come across salesy means I'm trying to convince you to buy my stuff when that's where it's really broken because a, a, a professional salesperson is solving a problem. It's filling a gap. It's when I am done working with this client, they are better for having worked with me. A really good salesperson is doing an injustice, not presenting their solution. If in fact, that client would be better for having it. Absolutely. 100%. And so Bryn, do you work mostly with entrepreneurs business owners that need to create or develop the skill of selling, or do you work with salespeople that need to become better sales people? So yes, we have kind of two journeys inside of okay. social sales link. Both of them are digital social selling, right? So I come from a sales training perspective, but my company solely focuses on how to use LinkedIn for social selling. Okay. So the one lane is corporate. And that's where my my business has been for almost nine years. It's training sales teams. We have clients from TD Bank and Comerica Bank, you know, to Aramark and Comcast business and, and, you know, and, and smaller companies, right? So we've worked, you know, teams usually have 10 or more often on sales navigator, which is a, they're paying an enormous amount of money for a subscription that no one uses well. And I help them to 
optimize that and get an ROI. And then we have a membership, which there's a 12-week LinkedIn sales accelerator course and a membership where people join us twice a week or as, as their schedule allows, where we coach them, help them write their templates, do their outreach, start conversations, and ultimately leverage LinkedIn to get on more Zoom calls with their prospects. Hey, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show today. We're really enjoying this conversation with Bryn. You know, for a while now, Rob and I sometimes have been scratching our heads of how to use LinkedIn. And Bryn is just bringing a beautiful, not a new, but a fresh perspective and a timeless perspective about relationships and conversations over a selling. So I want to encourage you to go to socialsaleslink.com slash library. And there she has all types of free resources where you can learn about different LinkedIn strategies and the different strategies that she uses with her clients to get them introductions and conversations. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. Let's let's go back a little bit. So LinkedIn didn't exist when any of us started our careers. So mm-hmm. what what was comparable to LinkedIn at the time and and like why was LinkedIn such a revelation for revelation revelation, revelation. for you? Uh, so I've always been in sales. Actually, my first real job out of college was at Dun and Bradstreet and I was in an inbound okay. call center. So I was in an inbound call center taking 100, 150 calls, 120 calls a day. Then I was promoted and I was cold calling. You got promoted. You got promoted and had to cold call. That doesn't sound like a promotion to me. (laughs) That doesn't sound like a promotion. Right. So it was more money and I made commission. So, you know, I didn't love it, but I loved the company and I loved our solution. And even with cold calling, I won all the contests, like even though I didn't love it. However, when I made it to the field is when I really, truly fell in love with sales. And, you know, because I, I love people, I love learning their stories, just like you love learning. So I love learning their stories and getting to know them and understanding their challenges and, and seeing if I could help them, even if we didn't, even if they didn't hire me, I wanted to help. Right. So sales was a perfect place for me but I still hated the cold calling. And I remember sitting across from one client staring at his overflowing Rolodex. I just dated myself. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. And those okay. listening, so ro- you have yeah. to describe what a Rolodex is. Rolodex. Yeah. yeah. So first of all, those listening to this, this podcast, if you don't know what a Rolodex is, go ask your parents. But essentially, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's a it's all the business cards you've ever collected and or written down contact information. And it was on this little turning wheel that was alphabetized. Right. And so that was, that was our database today. Our database is LinkedIn. And, and, and for two reasons, this is incredibly powerful. The first one is when you have a Rolodex and you've stapled your business card inside of that, that person leaves. And we know there's a 20% turnover year over year, according to LinkedIn's data. So in in a one out of five of those cards are defunct at the end of this year. They're not (laughs) good. Right. Right. But uh, LinkedIn is self updating. So if you're connected Uh, to them, you get their new information where they are. You don't lose contact. Number two, you get to see the connections of their connections. And this is when I went, oh, my gosh, where have you been my whole life? Hmm. Because we have the ability. Right. So we can not only search our Rolodex, but we have the now the ability to search 
our client's Rolodex. So I'm staring at this guy's Rolodex, physical Rolodex in 1992, thinking if I could get my hands on this, I could see who he knew. I'd ask for introductions and referrals. I'd never have to cold call. And, and I, you know, there, it always stood in my mind because I'd ask people for referrals and they go, I don't know who I know. Right. Right. But when I saw LinkedIn and I saw this, the power of searching someone's connections, I said, this is going to transform business as we know it, because I can now make a list of their connections and I could go, Bob, can I, you know, I, I'm so glad I've been able to help you do X, Y, and Z. You know, and I'm not sure if you know, but the way that I've grown my business has been referrals from my happy clients. I happen to notice you're connected to 19 people that I'd love to get in front of. Can I run these names by you? And Hmm. then we whittle it down to three or four meaningful introductions at the end. And it's the most powerful tool to, to start sales conversations at a high level of credibility with the least amount of work. Mm -hmm. I I like that. I like a lot. I mean, I, I think Bob and I've had conversations over the years of, you know, making LinkedIn work and, uh, you know, Bob, he's, he's proficient on so many platforms and, but I love that. And I realized how true that is. It's, it's really a transparency into other people's world mm-hmm. and how easy that is to transition into introductions by knowing, you know, people's different connections, different needs and the people they hire. But yeah. But- and- yeah, but in the end, clients. go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's say in the end, LinkedIn is just a tool, right? I mean, something could come along that's better than LinkedIn. Do you? I, I think, I think what people mis mistaken here is that the tool is the magic thing, mm-hmm. when the tool is the the means to the end. I see. I think, Bryn, you you would obviously be successful and were successful twenty years prior to LinkedIn. So, what is it that that you're now able to do maybe at scale versus what you weren't able to do before. Like, how do you make LinkedIn work? That's really the big question. I think that would people have on their minds at this point. How do you well, make it work? So, so what I just talked about is probably the number one way I've grown my business over the years and the way that my clients grow their business. But let's talk about the five pillars. The first one is you have, well, actually, before I talk about the five pillars, let's talk about the mindset. LinkedIn is not a cold calling platform. LinkedIn is not a connect and pitch platform. LinkedIn is not a volume platform, even though it's being used that way. Automation is bad. LinkedIn is a networking platform. So when you think about leveraging LinkedIn, I want you to think about this is a 24-7 conference, trade show, networking Mm. room that we have to treat the people on the other side of every single message the same way we would if we were on the other side of the table. We would not pitch them in the first 30 seconds if we were in person. We need to start authentic conversations around topics that matter to them. So mindset is these are human beings, not leads yet. None of them are leads until they raise their hand and say, I'm interested in your stuff. Until then, it's just a person in a room that you get an opportunity to start a conversation with. And if you are relevant to them, they'll actually talk back. Love that. And there's about 10,000 people I'm connected to that I would love for you to share that information with because the (laughs) messaging I get. Now, I have a lot of followers, a lot of connections. I probably get about 50 requests a week. And most of them are of this type. I noticed you're the co-founder at Feed Stories, and we have some friends in common. 
That's one of them. Or I notice that and it, it's it's very generic. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they tell you, like, I want you to view this or I want you to read this. It's very yeah. assumptive. And, yeah. and it, it's almost like I hate That's logging broken. into LinkedIn. I just mm -hmm. I hate sometimes because it's like ignore, ignore, ignore. It, it is a pitch fest, right? Yeah. Right. And, and it's a shame, but we can still use it well. So here's the other mindset, by the way, is we have to be permission based. Hey, Bob, I'm not sure if this is an area you're exploring, but I recently read a post in Forbes on X, Y and Z. And as a podcast host, I thought you might get some value from it. I took away A, B and C. If you're interested, let me know. I'm happy to send you a link. Nice. I love that. Love that. That I can right. handle. You're adding okay. value. You're paying attention to me. You're you're showing interest in what I'm interested in. There's it's an offer. It's, it's not my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. yeah. It's not to you. Yeah. Yeah. Very key. Yeah. Now, if someone connects with me, I do share my stuff right away. And 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 I do. Well, I do. No, I shouldn't say that. I do ask permission. But I'll say thanks for for connecting with me. I will always ask, can I ask how you found me? Hmm. If you're exploring social selling content, let me know. I'm happy to send you some resources. So, no, it is even that case. But immediately I'm sending my resources if they connected to me. Right. Okay. And I, but I'm still asking permission. Right. Perfect. But I'm going right. to assume if you're connected to me, there must be some interest in LinkedIn or social selling. If not, it's because they wanted to pitch me and then I can teach them how to do it better. So, <laughs> yeah, I love it. So that's a whole other. But if someone if I'm asking them to connect, I have to earn the right to send my own stuff. Mm, I love that. Right. And I need to earn the right. Exactly what Brandon said is I, I've got to understand what it is they want to consume. And it's probably very different than what it is I want to share initially. Hmm. So we have to slow down our outreach to speed up the outcome. Ooh, right? that's right or downer. Love yes. that. So, so ultimately curate really good content. Here's a trick in LinkedIn that's really powerful. Find what LinkedIn calls a creator. I call it an influencer, but it's called a creator that is attracting your buyers. And in LinkedIn, you can actually search in your filters, followers, not their connections, because they have up to 30,000 connections, but some of these creators have 4 million followers. Mm. So I can filter all the way down to CEOs in the greater New York you know, metropolitan area in this industry that, that follow Tony Robbins. So now if I'm going to reach out to them, I'm going to reach out to them around Tony Robbins. Mm. I'm going to reach out to them and say, I noticed that we're both Tony Robbins fans. I recently heard him on a podcast where he was talking about A, B, and C. Let me know if you're interested. I'd be happy to send you that link. Right? Big moment for us to be a resource for the other person not a salesperson, right? Lovely. So our ultimate goal is to bring value, to create credit, you know, create a, a reputation of credibility and trust, to build rapport, and under by being a resource, and understand that the sales will come when the time is right. Love that. Like, love it. Love it. 
So powerful. I, I think there's you know, Bob and I, and so like you yourself, Brennan, you know, we cut our teeth in the internet marketing world in the last 20 years. And, you know, I think people have gotten tired and much more sophisticated with tactics of scarcity and, mm -hmm. and high pressure sales letters and things like that. And it's like, what you're talking about is very seamless. It's very, it's just, it's easy. It's natural. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not being assumptive. It's being helpful. It's being, yes. being assumptive in the sense that, Hey, this might help you. And that's a beautiful assumption. Wow. Someone's paying attention to what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. So much, much different approach. So if we go back to the five pillars, your profile's job is, is for when they show up because they saw your content or your message to them or that you viewed their profile or you engaged on their content. It's all leading back to your profile and your profile's job is to be a resource. Mm. It is not to be your resume. If you can convert your profile from a resume to a resource, you can convert your targeted connections to conversations. Love it. So really your profile is an opportunity for them to test drive you. Mm. Love so, that. you know, the best sales call I ever had, or it's a longer story than this is at a company called SunGuard. I got in there through the connection and um, they had had other LinkedIn training and they was terrible and they did, they hated it. And they found like it was a waste and they wouldn't talk to me. And I said to my connection, can you get her to just read my profile? And she ended up taking my call, the buyer, because she said she learned more from my profile than the vendor they just fired. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Very so when, when you go back to that old way of thinking about never give away free consultation, that will hurt you in today's economy. Today's economy, they're buying you after they've experienced you. Mm. Very few will buy you off the shelf without right. a test run. So that's really important. So the profile, the second pillar is social listening. This is a, a piece that salespeople miss across the board. We are focused on our scripts, on our talk tracks. We are focused on, you know, what we were taught to say and the questions to ask to get to an answer that can help me close business. Yeah. Yep. And that's broken. Yes. People can smell it a mile off. Oh my gosh. We're hypersensitive to it. So sure. even if there's a hint of it, the buyer runs. Yeah, exactly. Right. I love so, this. Uh, sorry, keep going. Yeah, no, no. So social listening is really identifying what are the initiatives of the company? What matters to this human being inside of the company? You know, what are the challenges? And by the way, this is not trying to find out how I can squeeze my square peg into their round hole. Hmm. Yeah. This is detaching from the sale yeah. and attaching to learning their real gaps, their real challenges, their real needs with your brain. Stop trying to, oh, I can sell them this. Oh, with that, I can stop. Mm, right. We yeah. need to stop and we just need to be curious. Love it. We yes. need to learn. Right. Number three, once we understand what they need, now comes the content and content is curating content creating content and engaging on content. Your comments 
in a, as a thought leader on other people's content is just or more important than that original piece you spend four hours trying to create. Just saying. It can okay. have even a higher impact. Okay. Number four, nurture your existing connections. Most of us have thousands of connections that we're ignoring. Export your connections, take inventory, identify clients, prospects, and referral partners. I had a client in April of 2020 who was a recruiter, Ooh, April wow. 2020, yeah. who did this. She ex Michelle Vincent's her name. She exported her connections and she started to take inventory. And she saw that an old client was at a new place and she placed factory workers this new place was a hospital healthcare and they needed tons of people for cleaning and disinfecting. And she was able to take all of her factory workers that were laid off, place them all with the, in the, as a cleaning facility. And it, she had a, over the few months, it turned from a one and a half million to a $3 million sale. And she sent me an email that said, thanks my, the commission I got from the work I did with you pays for my daughter's college, oh, right? So, love right? It. so that's taking inventory. We're missing yeah. so many opportunities that are existing in our connections. We're out there going net new, net new, net new, right? right? And then number five are the client referrals and the networking referrals. How are we leveraging our existing network to find out who they know and leverage their relationships to get us in the door at a high level of credit with a high level of credibility and trust. Love that. You know, it's when I'm sit down, you know, one of the biggest hurdles we were talking about earlier with feed stories is, is the reason why people don't get on video is they, is they has at first they don't, they don't like maybe how they look and sound, but <laughs> what they don't realize is authenticity is what is selling them. The other thing is that it, they're, they, they don't want to sound salesy and the approach really when we're, when we do our story days is it's really having a conversation. That's all I do when I sit there and I, and for a couple hours, we're just having a conversation and, and, and there is no pressure. There is, this is just about, tell me how you solve this problem and, and give me some examples and tell me some stories of your clients that are heroes that you've helped just like you're doing right now. That is what's exciting. And, and that's what it draws people in. So I, I love that approach. Earlier, you talked about how, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, if business was a, a Netflix series, mm -hmm. yours would be Big Bang Theory. So tell us about that. Give us give us a story around why that is so. Well, I mean, some of it is that, I mean, we are all real, we're geeks at our heart, right? We are high, high innovative, but we will debate everyone to the end till we get where we need to do internally. So I, I you know, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of proud of the talent that we have and how we do pull it all together. And at the end of the day, we're all on the same mission, but in a very healthy way, we will, you know, try to one up each other. <laughs> <laughs> innovation and an ideas, but we all learn from each other. And that that's, we're all open to it. We are all open to the, everybody else's ideas, you know? And then as I'm thinking through, we're also a little stranger things. <laughs> so, oh, like, wow. Tell us no, about that. Tell us about that. No, I know they, they, they were just D and D players in their first episode. And I went, that's me and my high school buds. Oh, I love yeah. it. 
I love it. I now, love it. now the funny thing, Bryn, is my daughter. She just graduated college. She is play. She has played D and D, and she was at University of Chicago. So she was a jock and a geek, and they love yeah. their D and D nights. They still play. It's amazing. Like I'm like, hey, we did that in the '80s, you know. Yeah. And then of course, yeah. Stranger Things was something that they like. Oh, they were they drew on that because like, oh, they're just doing what we did. It's 20 years later. It's pretty cool. Well, it's more than 20 years because they are the exact age I was. Yeah. And I think I'm 53. So (laughs) (laughs) who's counting 1969. But when the so I have my 19 year old twins were major. I haven't seen the new the new season. I have to do that. But my twins are major Stranger Things fans. And so it it was fun because the first season we watched together and I'm like, these were my friends. This was me. We were riding bikes in the middle of the night. Yes, we had we had no cell phones. Yeah, I I don't even know how my mother found me like I don't like and I'm like, that's how we lived. Well, like our parents looked out for each other's kids. Right. It was like they knew they were somewhere. But yeah, in the summer we would eat breakfast and we would leave and maybe we'd come home for lunch or go to somebody else's for lunch. And the signal was when the streetlights come on, come home when you go home. Right. So I, I like I've heard I heard somebody say on uh, Twitter the other day that we're, we're the last generation of free range kids. Right. That that yeah. we couldn't be tracked. Yeah. You know, but it, it is so different and it's fun watching a show like that and like reliving that with your kids and be like, yeah, that's what we did. We got on bikes. We got dirty. We got into trouble. We you know, we made our own yeah. fun. Such a different time. You know, now we track our kids, we know exactly where they're at, what they're doing. And I'm like, man, I'm glad my parents didn't have a chance to track me and know what I was doing <laughs> when I was in high school. Right. It was easier yeah. to get into trouble that way. It's, um, it's, it's amazing. You're right, though. We were the, the last free range. And, you know, it's sad a little bit. Like, I think yeah. I mean, I don't track my kids. They, they can track me, I think. Like I've given them my location. <laughs> I will say, you know, if they're going somewhere over the night, drop, I'll, I'll say drop a pin. Let me know where you are. Yep. But, you know, I, I think I, I'm a little more, or li- even though I'm a techie person, I'm a li- I, I trust my kids. They don't get in trouble. But, you know, I, I, I'm sad they never had that ride their ride their bicycles in all the neighborhoods. I mean, they know how to ride bikes, but it wasn't part of their culture. And that was our whole culture for years. Yeah, it was. And it, I guess it, I guess it helped shape and frame who we are. And, you know, I'm sure our kids will be shaped and framed in a way and they'll look back and say, well, I, I don't know what they'll say, but it'll be like, oh, remember when we couldn't do that. And, you know, every generation has their thing. Right. I never thought we would sound like our parents. And here we are sounding like yeah, our parents, totally. right? yeah. like the, the good old days. when we. I have an 18 month old granddaughter. Yeah. Who knows how to use an iPad. Congratulations. Thank you. And one on the way. Congrats. Oh, fantastic. And not with my 19 year olds. It's my older daughter. <laughs> <laughs> For the record. For yeah. the record. And she like she knows technology. She it's will amazing. pick up and she will pick up the remote control. Now, she doesn't understand her yet she knows to hit the speak button and she goes paw patrol which is paw patrol so the tv doesn't understand paw patrol but she knows that that will do it and that blows my mind 18 months imagine what they'll be capable of when they're when they're young young adults and adults it's just that's so cool 
Hey, Brent, I'd love for you to brag on a couple clients. You know, if your biggest joy is their success, talk, mm-hmm. give me, give me some stories of people who came in that were a complete mess and, <gasps> and found you and turn the, and turn their business around. All right. So I'm not going to say complete mess, but success story. In case they listen, in case they're listening. Well, I hope he's listening because he's one of my favorite clients, active, very active. Stephen Farber came in selling legal shield and he just wanted to learn how to sell more legal shield. And through working with him and coaching him, I said, well, why legal shield? And he's like, well, I like the reoccurring revenue, but I really like the part of Legal Shield that helps to attract and retain talent. So we really dro- drilled down into like, where is your passion? And he loved the idea of, which by the way, was before this talent challenge. So it was great timing. So he ended up launching his own company on the side while he's doing the Legal Shield called Hero Culture. Through that, I helped him to do a summit around hero culture to attract HR people that ultimately would become prospects for him to sell legal shield to. I I brought in a gentleman by the name of Merrick Rosenberg who wrote a book called Take Flight, which is disc with birds. It's brilliant. He was on, he, you know, he did the the summit and then recognized the talent in Steve and Stephen, and now they've partnered and Stephen has created a whole career around the hero culture versus the legal shield. And now the legal shield is an afterthought. And what he's really doing is bringing in incredible programs into HR departments to help them attract and retain talent, which is really where his passion was. So that had, so his whole career shifted for a little while. I got nervous. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm changing someone's career, but it seems to be working out beautifully for him. So, so, you know, that's one success story. I told you Michelle Vincent's success story, and she continues to have great success, but you know, I can, uh, there are so, I mean, I hate to say who came in a mess, but there are so many people who started with me that just really didn't have a direction on social. They had a direction in their life and in their business, but they didn't know how to grow their business. Melanie Richards, for one, you know, she has this amazing business that she just didn't know how to get the word out on social. And now she has people banging at her door to do business with her because she's doing lives almost every day and people are getting to know her. Right. Interesting. You know, so, you know, and another story with Stephen is he got he did. He ran a poll. We guided him all the way through it. We taught him how to take that poll and get it into the inbox of his specific prospects to vote and then convert that. We walked all the way through every single step and he got, uh, you know, three or four meaningful introductions that turned into business from a poll. Right. Mm. So I, we have story after story after story of success that most of them, when it comes down to it, there's some around content, but most of our big success stories are either around someone took inventory of their connections and we taught them how to re-engage the right way, or they identified a shared connection. So there's a short game and a long game on LinkedIn. The short yeah. game are the referrals. The long game is the content. Well, I think it's exciting to hear again. I I think one of the things that 
as a, as a coach myself, I'm always trying to get people to move beyond like, okay, there is a tool that you use. The secret sauce though, Bryn, is how you apply that tool. <laughs> and so there's, there's fundamentals behind that tool. You know, you're talking about relationships. You're talking about serving. You know, these are fundamentals that serve you in life, right? Mm -hmm. And you're showing people how to use the tool to apply those, those human skills mm -hmm. to help them grow their business. I think that's what's most attractive. Could you give us just a couple of resources that you have available? So if people want to kind of pursue this with you, sure. what, what would that look like? Well, I mean, I, I host a podcast called Making Sales Social. So you can go to any of your podcast providers and look at making sales social. We have a library of content totally free at socialsalesinc.com slash library. We have one of the biggest questions I get is, well, what do you do on a daily basis? Mm. So I, so I put together an ebook of what I do on a daily basis and that's at socialsaleslink.com slash ebook. And I mean, it's, it's really, it's a day in the life of a social seller. Nice. It's like, look over your shoulder. That's a really cool thing. That's, um, that's something Brandon and I have done. It's like, let yeah. people just look yeah. over your shoulder and see yeah, yeah. how you create video, how you do a Facebook campaign. Like people really love that. It's, it's a good way to teach somebody is like, just let me show you. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah. And, and by the way, I include all of my, oh, I have to, you know, I just realized we have to make sure that it's the ebook is spelled correctly. So it's all lowercase or it goes to an older ebook. Oh, so no. it's socialsaleslink.com slash ebook, e all lowercase. All lowercase. just tested it. Yeah. Otherwise you go to an old book that is old and this is a new book, but it's got templates in there. It's got step-by-step -step and it has like timestamps. What, what approximately what time I do the work. That's Love really it. great. Hey listeners, it's Bob. And I just hope you are enjoying our conversation with Bryn. If you want to get some more information about what she is an expert in, which is social-based selling, and it's really a fundamental strategy, it's how to use LinkedIn properly, in my opinion. And I think if you agree with this, you're going to really enjoy the resources she has. LinkedInlibrary.com is another resource that you could go to. It is packed with information. It's packed with training and resources that are going to help you leverage LinkedIn to better grow and scale your business. You're listening to The Innovative Founder. Now, back to your hosts, Bob Rickneris and Brandon Boyd. Is, is it true for LinkedIn that, you know, there, there was going around the interwebs that you're pumping out content all the time? You know, our, when we're coaching people on video, we're saying, you know, less is more people are most likely to stop and listen to something that where you're really solving a problem giving you know dropping some some stuff that will help people and, and solve a problem rather than you know a bunch of yeah. maybe quality over content. quantity yeah okay. quality over quantity every day of the week but i will tell you the quantity that counts is how much you're engaging on other people's stuff love that right so so quality and that should be quality too but the more you engage in other people's stuff believe it or not the more likely they are to see your stuff and linkedin says hey you're not selfish right you're not this one way machine that you're just posting and ghosting and that there's absolutely mm. so the ratio should be you're engaging four times four to one for everything you share you should be engaging four times that, Love um, that. and it could be it could be 
even more than that, right? And and by the way, kind of bonus, you know, let's go back to, I think we talked about, it's been a long day, it might've been on somebody else's podcast now, that we talked about followers and creators, right? We mentioned that, yes? Okay, yes, good. Yes, we did, yep, we did. Okay, so if you go to a Tony Robbins post, and you start engaging with their commenters, right? And you start engaging there, they're likely, believe it or not, to see your content. This is a study that a gentleman by the name of Richard Vonderblum did. And he's like the data master of LinkedIn. And <laughs> I, he's, he's like, he writes the Bible and algorithm. And if you go out and you engage with someone two, three, four times, then LinkedIn will start to show your content to the people you're engaging with. That's the secret sauce people love are looking it. for. Cool. Love it. Love it. Well, but hey, again, well, it's, but again, it's serving. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're seeking to serve at a ratio of four to one versus versus selfish. So it just goes right in line with what you've been talking about for this past hour. Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, yeah. I, Brandon, this is great stuff. This is great stuff. I know, I get, like I said earlier, Bob and I have been sometimes banging our heads against the wall and, and using LinkedIn and not quite sure. And, and these insights are extremely useful. I personally am going to go get your ebook because it, it's, and it's, plus here's it, it sounds a lot more fun. You know, it's, oh, we've, you, you've, you clearly you're, you're incorporating the social aspect. It's like, listen, whether you buy my stuff is great. If you do great, but it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's more than a network meeting where everyone is showing up as piranha and there's not enough, you know, fish to go around and eat, you know, it's, Hey, what do you do? And tell me about your, what's going on in your business and how exciting and, and Hey, you know, this might be something you're interested in or maybe not. It, it, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's this conference area. We're having cocktails, we're having appetizers. It's easy. It's, 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 there doesn't mm-hmm. have to be this. I think I've approached it in the past with like this tension of, okay, okay, okay how, what am I going to say to try and get a lead and, 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 and not come off salesy because they're getting a thousand, you know, people in their mm-hmm. inbox. So I really appreciate this approach. It's much more attractive. So one of the things that you can think about, because a lot of people say, well, what do I share on my company page versus what do I share on my page? And the way I look at it is you are you walking into this trade show conference networking meeting and you're having conversations with someone. If they come up to your booth, you've got, you can have, here are my features and benefits. Here are, so your company page can brag more, can sell a little more, can share, you know, so I I remember one time, now I have a team that does my company page, but I won an award. I think it was a local company, a local chamber's ambassador of the year, right? Like there were six of us and I got ambassador of the year, right? I got a a plaque and everything. And it's, I don't know, I don't think it's behind me. It was from so many many years ago, right? But so I, I, I won this and then I went on to my company page and I said, congratulations to our CEO. I was a solopreneur, <laughs> right? To our CEO for winning this award. And then I switched to me and I went, Thank you so much for the shout out, right? So (laughs) I can't brag without it seeming a little like, oh, she's bragging, but the company page can. So, and then you can engage on that. So I just kind of want to throw that out, that if there is something salesy that you're really dying to share, do it from your company page. Love it. Awesome. Well, this has been really insightful. And and, and you've, for me personally, you've given me kind of a, uh, I, I'm actually excited now to go to my LinkedIn and, and look, I, I, I haven't been, I, I haven't touched it. 
and and shame. But I'm actually excited about taking this approach. It's it's very much the type of no pressure conversational approach that that we do with with video. So as we're closing out, we have something we like to call the 60 second rant, Bryn. So this is where you get to jump up in the middle of the room, stand on a chair. You can rant about anything from ice cream to LinkedIn to anything. Hmm. This helps us know a little bit about you. And, you know, it's, you know, you can learn Hmm. a lot about someone's strengths and, 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 but you can also find a lot about what annoys people and it's kind of fun. So Hmm. what's your rant, Bryn? Go. So in a LinkedIn thread, a message thread with all of the LinkedIn experts, I think there are probably 40 or 50 of us in this group. Someone, in fact, the someone is Andy Foote, put out a question, if LinkedIn went away tomorrow, what would you do? So I had to think, oh my gosh, what would I do? And I decided I would want to be an employee at the Genius Bar at Apple, because I thought if (laughs) I could learn everything Apple, it would solve all of my problems, because that is the one thing I, everything I have is Apple, yet I don't know how to use 80% of it. So the Genius Bar. If I couldn't do the Genius Bar, I might go to Trader Joe's because they have all the free food that they give out. And I think <laughs> it would be fun to be able to eat for free all day long. But there are so many other things that it was so fun to see what these LinkedIn experts would be doing if there was no LinkedIn. But truly, honestly, at the end of the day, I think I would probably go back into sales because it's what I love in my heart of hearts. I'd find a company that was really bringing a significant impact, something that I felt passionate about, something that I could be really good at and something that someone was willing to pay me for. And I think that's ultimately I'd end up there. So that's my rant. If LinkedIn went away, what would I do? And Friendly's doesn't have a whole lot of restaurants anymore. so. Yeah, so, so you can always go back to serving ice cream, you, go back you know, but no, I think Bryn, you'd be the type of person that would be just a blast to sit across, have a cup of coffee or a drink with. You've got a ton of stories. You're very personable. And I think, I think people just really warm up to you. It's probably one of your biggest gifts as a coach is that, you know, I can sense your empathy and, and your approachability and your concern for people. And, and you really have a servant's heart. So thank you for sharing with us today. It's been a pleasure having you on the Innovative Founder. And we're going to encourage people to actually go to those sites, consume those resources, and certainly follow your advice. So thank you once again for being on the show, Bryn. Thank you, Bryn. Thank you both. I had a really good time. Awesome. Thank you for listening to The Innovative Founder with Bob Regneris and Brandon Boyd, a show featuring the real stories of entrepreneurs making their beautiful dent in the world. If you like the show, let us know by leaving a rating. If you're an innovative business founder yourself with a story to tell, then you might just be our next guest. Reach out to us on InnovativeFounder.com and tell us your story. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on The Innovative Founder.